Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Co-op. This morning, we are continuing to celebrate February, which is Black History Month, and the theme is health and wellness this year. Uh, How important is health and wellness to the black community? And to talk about that in farming, we have Anita and Thomas Robertson. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be here. Great to have you this morning. And where are you guys located? We're located in Spotsylvania County in the Massaponics region, about, I guess, 55 miles from Washington, D.C. We're almost centrally located between Richmond and Washington, D.C. And we, and we, uh, our address is Fredericksburg, Virginia. Okay. So you are in, in Virginia, that great southern state of the Confederacy. Okay, no, we won't go there. Okay, so, well, let's go back to history. Um, Anita, how long has your family been farming? We've been farming, um, we're fourth generation farmers. Let's say we go back to before the Civil War, basically. My great-great-grandfather, Louis Terrell, was born in 1858. And over his lifetime, he accumulated 160 acres, most of which family still has. And um, he was primarily a dairy farmer. He grew vegetables. He had uh, everything he needed to feed his 19 children and his wife. Wow. So he had a pretty massive operation. And, uh, you know, learning about my great grandfather, because I never met him, was just an interesting journey because it tells that in agriculture, our food tells a remarkable story of not only our personal history, but, you know, our dietary history. You know, from the remarkable recipes our our grandparents passed down through generations to the the different seeds and and different food products that, you know, are culturally significant to us. And, you know, when we look at things over the history, Doc, you know, we think about land and land is something that's very precious. Men can make a lot of different things. They can build spaceships, cars or whatever, but they cannot reproduce land. And land is a precious commodity, not only for African-Americans, but for all for everyone. So so land is something that's special and it's something that we should hold on to and prepare it and keep it for our our children to come. So land, Anita and I, we, we adopted this saying about land being, it, it means livelihood, ancestors, dignity, and determination. Yeah, so, so nobility from which we came, the N stands for, you know, uh, paying tribute to our ancestors who worked hard to make this way for us because we are mm-hmm. their dreams. All right. Yes. And, so, and, but Rob, yeah. speaking of ancestors, 
What about you growing up? Did you grow up on a farm or an urban? How did, where did you grow up? Yes, I did. I grew up with my great grandfather and his mother was a slave in Amherst County, Virginia. And, and I grew up on a farm and um, before I went to work or before I went to school, excuse me, I had to milk cows and and as we talked, slop the hogs and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and feed the chickens and all of that and then go to school and uh, come back and do the same thing while I maintained a, a academic really great average. So, you know, it, life been a struggle. Yeah, but hard work pays off. Well, you get to work ethic. And uh, I did have to slop hogs growing up and we had about 100 chickens and we, we farmed about an acre. There was seven, uh, seven of us. And my father would have us down and we would do vegetables and stuff, but yeah. I don't call myself a farmer, though, but I do like to get my hands in the dirt. Okay, so how did you guys meet? Well, we met prior to me going into the military. I was in the reserves, and I was getting ready to go active duty. And at the time, I was working for the Department of the Army, and I met him, believe it or not, at a Halloween party. All right. And... He wasn't in costume, so I really knew what he looked like. And, you know, he he asked me to dance and I almost melted. And in our conversation, I was being assigned to San Antonio, Texas, and he was headed to San Antonio, Texas. So after we danced, he says, maybe I'll see you in, in San Antonio. And I'm thinking San Antonio has a population of probably millions of people and us crossing paths, you know, we did. We did. And at the time when we did, I didn't even recognize him. Luther Vandross is a really good guy. I mean, he was. He was a really good guy. Mm-hmm. His music influenced us a lot. Okay. <laughs> All right. So how long were you in the military? I served for eight and a half years, and he was about to retire. And at the time, our son was about three years old. And he said, I'm not going to follow you all over the world. I've done my 20 plus. So I'm getting ready to get out. You make a decision. And I said, well, you know, Julian's at the point he's getting ready to go to school. So I decided to exit. And I was hoping we'd get to the Northern Virginia region so I could, you know, find a civil service job and apply that time. And that's what I did. And the military offered me some good opportunities when I was 17. And my mother actually had to sign for me to join the military. I came in as a supply clerk, issuing out things and changing sheets. But I left as a heart surgeon fusionist and as a physician assistant. Heart surgeon? So I, heart surgeon? Heart surgery perfusionist. Okay. So I, I was the one that uh, kept the body alive while mm-hmm. the surgeons put the... Uh, the stents in or the the graphs in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it it really offered me some opportunities and I took advantage of it. And uh, I came out after 23 years in the military and I did some emergency medicine here locally and then in a private practice. And when I told everyone that I was going farming, they thought I was crazy. So here I am right now farming. All right. Is there any relationship between this farming and the work that you did in terms of health? Or what is the relationship? Yes, a lot of my patients, a lot of the people that I I 
talked to, prescribed medications for, diagnosed with different diseases or whatever, a lot of them became our, our, customers. our customers, you know. And um, these people, they, they relied on us because in our farm, we don't use any pesticides, no, no type of uh, herbicides, fungicides or anything. It's all we're certified naturally grown. So the, the farm is really taken off for us. And um, Doc, if, if, if when we look back, we, we think about the history of farming. And in the 40s, 30s and 40s and 50s, 1930, 40, 50, there were 950,000 black farms. But now there are only 25, about 25,000 black farms. And a lot of people- Less than 2%. A lot of people think that African-Americans were killed because they were black, but they were actually the, the people were actually taking their land and, 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 and land. It was a commodity then and it's a commodity now. So so that's where we're at. And I think another reason we were attracted to farming, it gave us sort of the control over our schedules it gives you exercise, allows you to commune with nature. You know, a lot of the things that keep you healthy and the ability to grow food that you know is of high quality, is packed with nutrition, and then allows you to experiment with uh, different foods that, you know, you may not have grown up with. So I got that the 1910s um, census, there were fi- Blacks owned 15 million acres of land and that's down to like two, two and a half million today. So tremendous drop in exactly. land and farmers. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. there, were, there were blacks that left the farms in the South and went North, whether it was Chicago, New York, wherever. But mm-hmm. a lot of times it's because we could not get loans. We could not do the farming and people Good made job. it hard. And mm-hmm. uh, Shirley Sherrard, uh, they had 6,000 acres in Georgia and they, they sold them poisoned soil. So there's all kinds of tricks and stuff to take the land, and they took the land. So that's one of the major issues. But I want to talk a lot about health here, health and wellness. And you talked about you have organic foods on your farm, you exercise, and you put nutrition. So don't don't you think soul food has a lot of nutrition in it, the foods that we, as a a community, what we would (laughs) Soul food is a broad spectrum. And, uh, you know, a a lot of the times when we think of soul food, we think of foods like pork chops and chitlings and pig feet. feet. And we think of all the things that the people would give us because they didn't want it. And soul food became a very popular term. And soul food, don't get me wrong. I love my pork chops. As a matter of fact, my last physician asked me, what was I doing for my cholesterol? And I told him fried pork chops. Oh my God. So, (laughs) (laughs) so we, so we, so, you know, we, we, we go, we've grown through some things and we've realized that a lot of our cultural foods are, are not as healthy as we would like for them to be. But, but African-Americans have, have evolved and we're no longer eating the same things and, and you know, the, the things that our foreparents ate a lot of. We're, we're evolving from the processed meats and the foods and we're and getting. Yeah. And- yeah. And we find that our population, especially here in our area, 
they're they're enjoying more of the the fruits and the vegetables, and we also do honeybees and honey products and stuff. So we're we're finding that more African Americans are eating healthier than they did in the past because we can't live in the past. You know, mm-hmm. we can't eat chitlins all our life. We have to we have to evolve. And we're seeing the impact of all this overprocessed food versus fresh. And our bodies weren't designed to process so that type of stuff. Well, we used to sit down on Sunday meals, and that's when you had the big meals. So you would be fried chicken, potato salad, collard greens, uh, with cooked with with pork, fat back. <laughs> fat back. Uh, you may mm-hmm. have rolls, uh, but if you had biscuits in the morning, it was cooked with lard, which came out of pork. Mm-hmm. So we had all of these things that would lead us to poor health, which we had 10 to 20 years less lifespan than our white neighbors. We didn't live as long and had a lot of disease, which the coronavirus has saw a lot of pre-existing conditions with high cholesterol, high glucose or high blood pressure. And all of those things were run in my family. So that seems that the, the problem with soul food, we, we knew how to make it taste good now. Is a delicacy, mm-hmm. uh, all of that mm-hmm. stuff, the the leftovers, that stuff, the crumbs from the tables, and that's what we were given too often as slaves, or um, even during Jim Crow, we could not afford it. Was that mm-hmm. what it was like in your family too? It was, it was, and when we 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 got back to the United States in 1992. We served in Europe for a while, and when we got back, we noticed that when we went to a funeral. Dr. Oates, we, uh, when we went to a funeral, after the funeral, they would have what's called a repass, we're going and to, they serve chicken, fried chicken. Fried chicken. We're going to stop right there a minute. We're going to take our first break. I'm really enjoying this conversation. We'll come back and talk about farming, food, and health. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Your news talk station. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. We have Anita and Thomas Robertson on. And they told me that in the Army, Thomas got the nickname Rob. So is it okay if I call you Rob? Rob? That's perfect, yeah. So, Rob, before we took the break, we were talking about funerals. You had mentioned that there's a repass uh, after the funeral. You either come back to somebody's home or you come back to the church or somewhere where after the funeral, after you go to the grave site, you come back. And you had just said before we took break, what they feed often is fried chicken. What were you, what was your point there? My point was they're feeding us the same thing that got that guy in the casket. So, so, you, you know, it, it, it's, it's sort of ironic that we're serving each other the same thing that that contributed to our demise. So so we're you know, we're con- we're concerned about things like that and nutritional value and how we need to change our diet. And that was back in the the early nineties. And what we've noticed since then is a, a a change in variations of the food that we're eating. And a lot of As people passes, mm-hmm. you know, they're offering more baked foods along with salads. But I think the other thing that we need to focus on is the exercise component, because my great grandfather, who was an enslaved 
individual, even though he had the challenges of Jim Crow and, and the like, he still was able to live to his mid seventies, hmm. which was pretty much unheard of. Uh, I have a great aunt who just celebrated her 97th birthday, who was my father's sister. So I think, you know, when we start thinking about diets, we need to look at the whole picture of the individual. And the other thing is we don't have to go out and join these mega gyms and, and pay hundreds of dollars. What we need fit. to do is just get out and walk. And yeah, we don't I need think, to, you know, to run or anything or buy any expensive equipment. What we, we need to do is just in the house. Yeah, mm -hmm. walk around a little bit. A garden or yeah. farm, you know. Yeah. Uh, there are different there are different things to exercise than spending money. So so walking around is a really good mm -hmm. thing to do. And you know, it it really helps you. It increases your cardiovascular workout. These are things that people just take for granted. But if they start doing it and not just spending the bucks to go to the gym, but just getting out and walking in their own communities, they, they realize a, a certain benefit to that, not only physically, but mentally. Mm -hmm. So watching what you eat and then the exercise for for good health mm -hmm. uh, and this history, though, going back to this history, you know, we've come out of like slavery, Jim Crow, and as as we saw with George Floyd, death by police or death where we, we hurt each other, but all kinds of different ways that we end up dying and dying early. What advice did you give your son? You said Julian. Well, we gave him the advice that, you know, he had lots of options. You know, we impressed on him the importance of the land, that we had in our family, you know, the land gives you more options for autonomy and independence. Um, you can leverage that land and, and use it to mm -hmm. expand opportunities for yourself. Going back to my great grandfather, my grandfather, James, was able to go to Hampton Institute. And I think in a large part, that was because of the land. Well, they were so able to grow uh, peaches and, and, you know, have mm -hmm. their orchard. I remember my dad talking about how he picked peaches, you know, to to fund his education. He also attended Hampton. And we also when when Julian was born, we started doing drip plans and and uh, other things, other educational opportunities. So he he got his baccalaureate degree. And and when and, you know, and we think it's important that when you have a child, that you start planning for that child's education, because education is one of the things so many of our children today, they face educational barriers. And these include all of those fees and, and bills that they accumulate to get their education. And when, when our son graduated, he, he didn't owe a penny because we had prepared from day one. Yeah. You know, so so it's we important. Pregnant. Yeah. It's important that we prepare for our kids' education. Mm -hmm. Education is so important, Doc. We we can't we oh we can't just mention that. And it, going I mean, back to education, the USDA under their 1890s land grant college scholarship program, that's an opportunity for young people to go to school for free. They pay for the room and board 
as well as provide them a, a stipend yes. annually. Yeah, most of the HBCUs, if you get a degree in agriculture, a lot of them provide a, just a your whole four-year ride free of charge. All you have to do is graduate. So, so there, there are some <laughs> opportunities out there. And most of those people, they don't end up farming. They end up okay. in administrative positions yeah, at yeah. USDA. <laughs> And my, what I laugh when you said that all you have to do is graduate. My mother told me before I went to college, you are going to party, Vernon. I know that. Just do your work first. <laughs> do your homework first. Do your reading first. Do all, and then go party. And I took, I took her up on that most of the time. Most of the time. Uh, and so I was fortunate enough with, with her uh, leading me. I, I ended up in, on honor societies and honor row and good grade point average like you were talking about, Rob. That was instilled in excellence. That was part of growing up. You had to, you had to be better than. Okay, that's as a black person in America, you had to outperform in order to survive and grow. And and that and coming out of Jim Crow and slavery and all of that, that was instilled on us. And education, education, education. My grandfather talked about no matter if he was sober or drunk. And he was World War One vet. My father was World War Two vet. But there was get an education boy, get an education boy, get an education. So we've got food, exercise, and get an education. And that's the fifth principle of cooperatives. Mm-hmm. Information, knowledge, training. And that's one of the reasons, <laughs> the first reason I like co-ops when I got to know about them. So talk, talk to me about co-ops. Are you all involved in co-ops? And if so, how are you involved in co-ops? Well, we're members of this great Fredericksburg Food Co-op, and it not only provides us with education, it enables us to provide a lot of our fresh produce to our community. We're also members of the uh, Federation of Southern Cooperatives. We also work with Virginia State University to help expand their small farm outreach program by serving as mentors and letting people know that, you know, agriculture is a very viable career option. We went into agriculture late in our careers. And so we're senior farmers, but we're still having a a wonderful time, you know, doing this. It keeps us, like we said, active and engaged in our community. And it's something that we just really, really enjoy. There's nothing like touching that rich soil. I mean, it's it's just like that movie Avatar. When I'm out there in that garden, I touch that dirt or, you know, I see a, an earthworm, you know, something, I guess, tingles inside of me that just, just makes my day. And Doc, when she uses the word we, that usually <laughs> means I have to do it. So. <laughs> he has to do it too. <laughs> okay, so... The- all right, so I've got this. You had said when you had met Rob that you had a tingling, or I don't forgot what the term you used. So yeah. walking around on the farm, you get the tingle. Then you went and uh, I see Rob got his uh-huh. arm around you, so you all still look like y'all still madly in love with each other. Uh, yeah, we're still together after 40 years. <laughs> fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. Hey, hey, Doc, they told me after 20 years I was up for parole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I'm the warden, so it's not happening. Okay. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, but you know, the farming, it, it, it does give us a lot of opportunities to be together and work together. And, and we, we find that deeply enriching. It, it's enriching for our relationship. It's enriching for us to reach out. And, and not only do we just do this for business, but we've delivered thousands of pounds of food to the food banks in our area. And it's very important because we do this in the state of Virginia, one out of 11 people is suffering from food insecurity. So if people like us don't step in to fill the gap, that's a lot of hungry people. And we're just a small farm We're we're no major conglomeration or anything like that. We, We know, but we do what we can. So I like this idea that you all give food to the food banks. Is there a way I can come buy from your farm? You said you have customers. I know you sell through the co-op, but is there a way of right. buying too? Yes. We have an on-site food stand that we market vegetables to, but in this COVID era, we like to practice food safety and only ask that you you know, give us a call or contact us on our website before coming by. So that we can keep you safe as well as other people. What's your website? Our website is botanicalbitesandprovisionsllc.com. B-O-tanical, botanical bites. And A-N-D provisionsllc.com. Okay. Now, you know that I didn't think of that name. Okay. It's too big. I got you. Botanical Bites and Provisions, LLC.com. We're going to take our second break and we'll be right back. All right. Got okay. it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everybody. We'll be- mm-hmm. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks and the program is Everything Cooperative. This program, we've been on the air for about eight and a half years, and the National Cooperative Bank has been our sponsor. They've been great friends. They've helped us financially, but more importantly, they've been just a great partner in helping us to understand this cooperative world and giving us advice on who we could have on the show and so forth. So we just want to give a shout out to them. Their mission is to help to support co-ops and the cooperators by providing innovative financial services. And that's what they do. And I found out from Richelo Rochelle at the cooperative, uh, the Fredericksburg Food Co-op, that uh, National Cooperative Bank uh, gave him your loan. It was a guaranteed SBA 7A loan, but that the lender was NCB. And I also understand from the SBA rep in the area that this is the only 7A loan for co-op so far. So for you other cooperators out there, that you can go get loans through SBA now, and Rich Low Rochelle and the Fredericksburg Cooperative are the first ones, and they went through that process, and National Cooperative Bank is the lender. So we were talking about the farm. Uh, we were talking about the good food that comes out of it, the nutritional foods for health, exercise. What about, um, I had a guy on Oh, that first year that was talking about different things you can do to keep the rabbits and the deer and other things. How do you how do you keep these animals from coming in and eating up all your food? Thank you for asking. That's a really good question. And um, part of that part of that doc is that 
you have to develop a business plan. And in your business plan, you have to realize pest control and, you know, environment control. And what we do is we use a 3D electric fence that is solar panel. It's solar powered. Powered, so we don't pay a lot of money into electricity. And what we do with the 3D electric fence, and this is a fencing system that we developed after a friend of ours, Jim Hankins, who runs the Fauquier uh, Virginia Farms. Education. Yeah, and Farm. so so he showed us how to do this, and we set it up, and it really turned into something really good for us. We reduced, I'd say we reduced by at least 93% and of our pest, of our varmints, by using the 3D electrical fencing. And um, and if anyone is interested in that, they can give us a call at 540-287-5734. And we can try to arrange for a demonstration so they can see this, this fencing system because it really worked out really well for us. And it was it was productive, it worked, and we didn't have to continuously put a lot of money into it. So, so that's one of the things that we did for that. And, and as far as. Well, the other thing I was going to say is farming's just like any other thing. Falling on my Christian roots, you have to pay your farming tides also because critters are going to have their say. You're going to have birds flying in, you know, insect pressure. So when you plant, you got to give your due to the animals too. <laughs> that's, okay. that's one thing that you need to keep in mind, you know, plant 10% for nature because they have to eat too. You got it. Now, would you give that telephone number again? Yes. 540-287-5734. So I also heard you say that you are working with Virginia state that's in Petersburg, Virginia and helping as mentors for new farmers. So what, what advice do you give the new farmers? I think the first advice we give them is to establish a business plan. Because if you don't establish a plan, then you're going to plan to fail. So establish a plan, establish your goals, and set reasonable goals. The other thing is we've noticed over our years of growing is that you have to grow the things that will sell. For instance, Four years ago, I grew beets, and beets, that's a, that's a vegetable that you love or you will hate, and, but we found that marketing it wasn't, it, it just wasn't a good thing, but now, all of a sudden, beets, have, they've become the superfood for everyone, mm-hmm. and now we can't grow enough beets, so, so you know, it, it depends, the market is what we depend on and things that we can grow and we can grow successfully doesn't mean a thing if we can't market it. So and know your customers because you know a lot of foods that people eat are culturally acceptable. You know, uh we grew patty pan squash I think a second year and mm-hmm. we had you know a bumper crop and half the people didn't know what they were. They thought they were mushrooms because they're used to yellow squash. So know your customers, know their palates. And then the other thing, going back to Virginia State University, they have something called the Small Farm Outreach Program. They provide tons of training uh, programs, webinars. Virginia Tech has the Virginia New and Beginning and Ranchers 
um, coalition. They have all types of training programs. If you work and you can't attend a class at night, the webinar is cataloged. So you can go in and look at it at your leisure. And we used the Virginia State uh, University. We used their irrigation uh, techniques to do our farm. And it's really been profitable. Mm-hmm. We've cut down on our water usage and it increased the amount of water that we're delivering mm-hmm. to the vegetables. So, so you know, there there's a lot of good, interesting things. And just because you grew up on a farm and you think you know everything, attend some classes sometimes. <laughs> Agriculture has changed. What I'm hearing you say is you've got two kinds of things you have to do. You have to know how to farm, how to grow things, and you have to know the business side of it. You have to know your customer. You, you have to know your you have your business plan. You have to understand finances. You just cannot just grow something uh, because what you grow, right. your customers may not want and they may not pay for it. And right. therefore Marketing is key. Marketing is key. What are you selling to the uh, co-op, Fredericksburg Co-op or Food Co-op? What do, you, what do you provide to them? We have provided in the past a lot of leafy greens um, such as collards, uh, kale, mm-hmm. onions, onions, I mm-hmm. think it was cucumbers. Yep, tomatoes. Tomatoes. Yeah, things things that are, are are natural to our area, because you know we can't grow pineapples in Virginia, so we have to grow what what we can in the in the time spaces. And um, with Virginia State University, we've also been able to obtain high tunnels which allow, they allow us to expand our growing season. season. So we can grow earlier and we can provide foods later into the year. So, so, you know, we're, we're trying to grow what we can market in our area. Mm -hmm. And we find what's the season now, what's the season from what time do you start to what time you end? Well, Mm -hmm. we're already growing now. But we're growing in our farmhouse, and in, in the farmhouse, we're growing collard, kale, pak choy, broccoli, all, all the cabbage, lettuce, things that can survive broccoli. In, in a winter type of environment. So, so we're already yeah, we're already starting to grow now. And then once those little plant, those little seeds, Seedlings. yeah, once they reach an appropriate size, we can put them out into our high tunnels. And, and, and start growing, growing. elephant so, garlic and onions mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, in the ground now. Yep. And we're also growing a couple of big rabbits, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's, that's a rabbit soup. Okay. So now um, if you're not using pesticides and all of these different kinds of things, what do you use for fertilizer? Do you use leaf mulching or ma- manure? <clears throat> Actually, we use a material uh, that's that we uh, buy from. I'm not going to mention any specific dealers or, or providers, but we use a, a thin mesh material that we place over our rows of row vegetables. Covers. It's called row cover. And that row cover, it's so thin that rain can get through it and sun can get through it, but the insects can't get inside. So our vegetables, our plants, they're big, they're luscious, they're beautiful. And when we uncover it and it's time for us to harvest, we have just an abundance of fresh, beautiful vegetables that we can bring to market. And so this, you know, it, it, it suppresses 
the insect pressure. Yeah, our insect pressure is practically two percent. So, so we, you know, we're able to come to market, and by doing this, we don't have to have we don't have to use those chemicals and stuff and spray our plants or or use dust or anything like that on our plants. And uh, a lot of times we'll prepare. Uh, we call it our special, and that's uh, and that's nothing but oil and red pepper. Red pepper, yeah, and and it's just Kayon. yeah, cayenne yeah, pepper, pepper. and it, it, we just spray some of our plants with something like that. But we don't use the chemicals because so many people, you know, they're worried about cancer and different things in their lives. So we prefer to just keep it simple. And, and and so that's what we do. We cover, we use a lot of row cover. And um, yeah, it increases the cost a little bit, but nothing tremendous. And so it's not. What, what mm-hmm. I just got from you is um, we, we, we farm about an acre of land. Uh, for, how many acres do you all farm? About three. About three. About three acres, yeah. The two of us. And it's just the two of us. So and you, we have some volunteers and. That'll come by and help us out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm looking to buy some land, maybe three to five acres is what I can get to. So I, you all come down and you 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 can mentor me on how to do this. Um, yeah. But the part I like best, I didn't like the rolling. We we had a horse, a guy with a horse and stuff to r- put the rolls in, turn up the soil and put the rolls in, and then we would come and plant it. And I didn't like the weeding. I didn't like the planting. The only part I liked about the farming aspect was harvesting and eating. Those were my two favorite pieces of it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so when, when you're talking about how lush these greens are, I'm going, oh, mm, mm. Uh, so I got to call this number 540-287-5734 mm-hmm. or put up that sign again that your web page. You had a, 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 a card there. Okay. Botanics Bites. Botanical Bites. Botanical and Bites and Provisions LLC.com. A marketplace for healthy no. foods, luscious plants, beautiful flowers, and aspiry products. What's APIAR? Apiary. That's the honeybees. Beekeepers. Oh. Okay. So what do you what what does the bees provide? What foods do the bees provide? Well, the bees help pollinate our vegetables and our, our fruit plants, as well as provide us with honey. And I also do a value-added piece where I make um, lip balms, lotions, and salves from and the, soaps. Yeah. And we realized after we uh, got the honeybees, the, honey. uh, the honeybees, so they, they pollinate it our plants. So our, we noticed that our productivity mm-hmm. increased because of the honeybees, because not they pollinated just about everything out there. So not only were we growing stuff, but now the pollination has increased. So our productivity, instead of getting one tomato, we got five tomatoes wow. because the, the bees were out there just pollinating everything. And we also did a wildflower. We do wildflowers all around our farm. They're beautiful and they attract a lot of customers. So so the wildflowers are there, the bees are there. And uh and you know 
it's gardening yeah. in harmony with nature. Yeah, it's it's just product. It's man, it's awesome. Gardening in harmony with nature. And with that, gardening in harmony with nature, we're going to take our final break here. I told you this hour would go by really quick. We only have one more segment to go. And when we come back, I mean, we've been talking about the past and what you're doing now, what you're providing and so forth. I want to talk about the future. What do you see in the future, particularly coming out of COVID-19? We'll be right back. Your news talk station. Welcome back, everybody. This is Everything Co-op. This is Vernon Oaks and uh, Anita and Rob Robertson are on with us today. We're just having fun talking about farming in Fredericksburg, Virginia. They have grown up on farm, farming before they went to school and after coming home from school, met in, in the military, They both in the Army. Uh, Rob was 23 years and Anita eight and a half years. Uh, and so we've been talking about the past. I want to talk about the future now, because what has what what COVID showed us was that in our community, in the black community, there was a lot of pre-existing conditions. In my family, it is diabetes, which I have, and high blood pressure, which I have. And the doctors tell me there's three things I need to do: take my meds, eat right, and exercise. Those are the food as medicine. So what should we be doing to come out of this COVID and the lessons that we've learned in COVID for two years now? Some of the things that I've learned is, you know, when, when we think of exercise, I've got to be quite honest, we have to live within our limitations and set reasonable goals. When I first got back from Europe and we moved here in Fredericksburg, I was running five miles in the morning before I would go to work. And, uh, I can't do that now. I, you know, I'm 65, and, and if I look at the road, I'm probably getting in my car. So, <laughs> it, you know, things, things have changed, and we have to live within our limitations. And, and you know, if you're going to exercise, exercise within your limitations. Don't go out there and buy those spandex and think you're going to run 10 miles. You know, you just live within your expectations, but please get some exercise. It's very important that you do, but it's also important that you realize your limitations and you contact your physician, uh, you, you know, before you get into any type of exercise routine, you know, it, it's important that you live within your limitations, but it's very important that you exercise. As far as eating correctly, we, can, we can't stress that enough. And as African-Americans, we really need to cut down on the salt. Sugar. We need to cut down on the sugar. Processed sugar. Yeah, yeah. Those are things that are really, really important because you're not living for yourself. You're living for your children and your grandchildren. So it's important that you live within your expectations and set reasonable goals. I'm not telling you to stop eating cake, but I'm telling you, don't eat, eat the whole cake. The whole thing. <laughs> That's my problem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't eat one bite. All right. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Start thinking about fruit. You know, when you have developed that sweet tooth, eat that apple, you know, because diabetes is rampant in my family, as well as heart disease and high blood pressure. So, you know, we need to think about what we put in our bodies. And it goes back to, you know, good nutrition and good 
eating habits. Yeah, sure. I was working on the farm one day and I gave Anita a pail and I told her to go and get the blackberries. She came back with four blackberries in the pail and her mouth was all black and blue. <laughs> one for the pail, five for me. I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so it's important that we eat healthy, but, you know, heat eating, working out our physical and our mental responsibilities, because it's very important that we have a very good mental mindset about Mm -hmm. what we're doing. And 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 also, you know, seeing that health practitioner, you know, on schedule, because a lot of times we in the minority community will put off going to see our family physician to get that wellness check, because a lot of times these conditions, if caught early, you know, there are measures that could mitigate, you know, serious consequences down the road. And as far as uh, preparing vegetables, we are always experimenting. Mm -hmm. We we just never do the same thing uh, many times. We'll experiment with asparagus, with With strawberries, there's a salad I love with Brussels sprouts, collards, Swiss chard. We're always experimenting and we find things that we like and some things we do, we do not like. So, so, but we, you know, I can't just tell you a particular recipe that's going to fit your lifestyle, but I do, I do think that everyone should experiment with their vegetables and, and find it. A lot of people hate the little that Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts, yeah. Uh, but but we find if we put honey and mix it with a little mustard, that we, we that it's we, delicious. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you've you got to yeah, you've got to experiment with vegetables. Don't just depend on someone to give you a recipe. You go out there and do it. I like putting Brussels sprouts on the grill. I like grilling. Oh, that them. sounds good. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. I, I would have trouble with the honey with the diabetes. Push up my glucose, yeah. but that sounds like a great recipe. Now, do you use technology, technology in particularly in the farming side of it? Besides doing your business plan, I assume you use that technology oh, yes. for that. But yes, I'm glad you asked that question. Technology has played a, a, a tremendous, a tremendous role in our farming techniques. Technology has played a tremendous part in our irrigation. We use solar panels on our farm. Uh, marketing. We yeah. use a lot of um, social media. Yeah. I mean, know, technology is, is it's the point for marketing. Mm-hmm. I um, also was able to capture the interest of um, my nieces and uh, great nephews through technology because I'm not real good when it comes to Instagram. You know, I didn't know. I saw them doing it and I said, you all have to teach me how to do this Instagram thing. Now I have a whole community. I have over a thousand followers and I just started last year. So, you know, you can do it. Yeah, technology is, it's awesome, but you have to use it. And, you Mm -hmm. and you know, if you ignore it, it's just like planning to fail. (laughs) So I, uh, I was not using um, the phone and and uh, texting people mm-hmm. until I realized that's the only way I'm gonna mm-hmm. talk to my daughter. They don't right. They don't right. use the phone. Mm-hmm. I, I still like the phone better than texting and emails uh-huh. and all of these other things. But I'm I'm learning. And, and by the way, Rob, you're a young boy. I'm, I'm I'll be 75 this year, so you're young. Okay, yeah, y'all young. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I'm not doing no five mile, no jogging either. You got to tell his knees that. <laughs> uh, no, the, 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 I, I remember when 30 year olds were old or 40 year olds were old, but no, right. not, not anymore. Definitely. What about cover crops? What do you recommend, recommend in the wintertime for cover crops? Uh, we use we use a combination of cover crops. We we do the uh, canola, and we'll do the uh, clover. Red clover. Mm-hmm. And, and hairy vetch. Do yeah, hairy and vetch? hairy vetch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we we do a, a combination of cover crops in the open field, and that helps to suppress a lot of the uh, the weeds that we would have. And we also use a lot of leaf mold. Yeah, and, you know. we, and we use a lot of plastic mulch, but it's not the particular, it's not the real thin plastic. Thin, it's a little thicker. It's woven. It's, yeah, it's woven so that the rain and stuff can get down between it, but the, the uh, weeds find it really difficult. So when we uncover to grow our crops, we have clear fields to uh, to work in and and um and it solarizes yeah you know, that's of the that's what we do and and it, and it helps prepare our soil and we also uh, use Virginia Tech to do soil samples every year and we test our water annually too so we do these things to prepare our soil to make sure that the pH is correct and the nutrients that we need to grow our vegetables are there. So, so it's it's a it's a learning process for us. Mm-hmm. So all of that learning. Uh, what about would you do a cooking class at the Fredericksburg Co-op? Sure, we'd love to do it. He's more of the chef than I am. I'm more of the floral person, but he's the cook. Yeah, throughout our years of marriage, I, I'm the primary cook. So, yeah, so I guess I'll go with that. All right. Um, <laughs> And 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 uh, I understand that the former uh, Virginia governor's wife had visited you guys. Yes, during um, uh, Agricultural Week in Virginia, we got a call, and uh, I think they were amazed that we had the Instagram account, the Facebook account, and uh, we were um, subscribed to Marker Maker, which is Snap. a marketing, and we had you know we accept up on our farm, and. Um, she reached out and said that she wanted to come and, and visit. And she brought her entourage and spent a morning with us. So. And she left with one of our, one of uh, our little baby frogs. Oh. <laughs> did, 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 was she able to leave you any information or were you able to help her at all with information, knowledge? She left some information, some suggestions she had because she had grown up on a farm and she had recommended that we put in a cistern uh, because I think she was from Texas and she was concerned because our farm has a well system that, you know, we have enough water to irrigate with and, and you know, advised us. And mm-hmm. she gave us a, a beautiful plaque to recognize our contributions to Virginia agriculture. I want to thank you guys so very much. We run out of time. What message would you like to leave people with in the last minute? To uh, know their farmers and continue to support local farmers. I think we may be in, especially if this war in Europe continues, uh, to see significant stress on our economy and our farmers are going to play a role in that. So be kind to your farmers Mm -hmm. because they may be the resource you're going to need. 
we got to go. I'm sorry. I'd love to talk more and hear what you have to say, Rob. But thank you very much. And everybody out there, thank you for joining us. Live this week cooperatively, work with and help each other. And we'll be back next Thursday. Thank you. Your news talk station, 